Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever, however, and whenever you're listening. Welcome to another episode of The Melanie Report. I'm your host, Marquise Lupton, and we have another dope jam-packed show for you today. It's Wednesday, so you know we have a great interview lined up for you today. Today we have none other than Haywood Donerson, who is an event specialist turned published author. So, at the early age of 19, he got his first major break by landing a record deal with Delicious Vinyl Records in Los Angeles, California. And during his time with Delicious, Haywood toured across the country three times as well as over 10 countries worldwide. His experience as a percussionist garnered him several appearances in music videos, a movie score, soundtracks, and many studio sessions including one with the legendary Etta James. I am more than happy to welcome Haywood to the program. Haywood, welcome to the Melanin Report. Hi, thank you so very much. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, um, so let's um, let's just dive dive right into it, uh, because I am very much intrigued about uh this record deal that you got at the age of nineteen. Um, and and I read some of your bio. Um, it said that you and your friends kind of took this uh leap of faith, uh, and and went out to Los Angeles on your own. So, can you um take us back to that time? Uh, yes. Well, I grew up in Montgomery County in Maryland. My mom moved us from D.C. into Montgomery County, Maryland, uh, to the chagrin of my brothers and sister and I. Uh, but I'm thankful that we did grow up in Montgomery County because it gave us a lot of opportunities that wasn't provided and afforded to our cousins and the rest of our families that continue to live in D.C. to this day. Mm. Um, and... I grew up kind of an awkward kid, laughed at, teased, so on and so forth. And I started playing percussion in a go-go band. I found my 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 niche. And I started becoming popular in late high school. And then once I was, uh, it was time to get out of high school, I decided to leave high school and venture out to Los Angeles with my brother and some friends of ours. So we packed up our equipment and we drove 3,000 miles to Los Angeles. No plan or anything except wow. for getting a rec record deal. That's all we was going to do. Just get a record deal as a go-go band. So once we got to Los Angeles, um, we started playing on the beaches of Venice Beach so that we can get some money to be able to eat every day. And we were making too much noise. So the police kicked us off of Venice Beach. Wow. And we started we started driving around Hollywood and, you know, setting up, playing in front of all the record companies. So as we were setting up to play for a record company, Delicious Vinyl Records, uh, the intern chased us away and threatened to call the police. And we started running low on gas. And after um driving around the block for a few times we decided to just go back and start setting up and hopefully you know they'll like the music before they call the police <laughs> and literally as a movie would have it we're setting up our equipment and the owners of the record label pull up in a limousine they forgot their paperwork from a, a meeting that they were about to have in north hollywood and they drove all the way back and came and they seen us setting up and they loved go-go music. Wow. So 
So to make a long story shorter, they discovered us and we were signed to Delicious Vinyl Records. Uh, so, um, uh, so I don't want to uh, uh, spend um, too much uh, uh, here because you you have done and do so much, uh, but but this is definitely captivating. So, um, can you tell us about that process of of getting signed to a record label, being an artist on a on a record label, and um, some of your um, highest highs that you experienced doing that? Well, the process was uh, definitely different then because, you know, record companies were still accepting demo tapes mm. and, you know, you didn't necessarily have to be uh, popular online or anything of that nature. If you showed up at record labels sometimes and you had the look or you had the sound, what they were looking for, you were able to get discovered and get the opportunity to work and build your career and your brand and your image and things of that nature because they had something called A&R, Artists and Repertoire back then that helped you to build your brand, get your image together, get your sound together and so on and so forth. So being a percussionist, um, I was blessed with a unique opportunity because, you know, a percussion that covers drums and things of that nature. But because I played the conga drums, hmm. you know, it made me so unique that everyone wanted me to be on their uh, records. They wanted me to be in their movies, soundtracks. They wanted me to be in their movie videos. So that afforded me the opportunity to be able to uh, go and be in the videos for Young MC, uh, as well as, um, uh, Mellow Man Ace, the uh, first really large and um, successful Latino rapper, Mellow Man Ace, who's also the brother of uh, Send Dog from the um, Cypress Hill. Mm -hmm. So I was in those videos and worked with uh, the legendary Etta James, even on her, one of her last recordings as well. So that really helped me to see a lot of great things and to be able to work on movie soundtracks to see how the industry works to see how the business works and that always intrigued me the business aspect of the entertainment industry so then after um after your uh, tenure with uh delicious vinyl records what did you do after that um great question i when i left to go out to Los Angeles. My girlfriend at that time, she was pregnant, um, but she still supported me to venture out to try to make something of myself so that we can provide for our family. Mm. Um, and she uh, had my son prematurely. So I had to come back to Los, uh, from Los Angeles to see, to tend to my son, to see what was going on. And over time, when I went back to Los Angeles, uh, like maybe almost six months later, started to understand that he was not developing properly. Mm. So come to find out my son is diagnosed with cerebral palsy mm. and he's confined to a wheelchair. And I didn't grow up with my father and I wanted to try to change that dynamic and be there for my son. Yeah. So I gave up my record deal, came back to Los, uh, came back from Los Angeles to DC and started working with disabled children in the Montgomery County school system. Wow. So that I, so that I can learn about kids with disabilities. And I even joined the uh, PTA and was the head of the PTA 
uh, for some time uh, helping other parents deal with uh, their children with disabilities. So it really taught me a lot about patience, understanding, and having empathy for people less fortunate. Yeah, and and that uh, that that transition in your life that that is a major 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 transition, and and I, I'm assuming that wasn't a easy decision. So was there um, some kind of word of advice? Was it uh, something just just that you heard from the inside? Was it a parent, a sibling uh, that helped you make this decision? Um, you have, you're asking some great questions. So my mom, rest her soul, just lost her last year. She was um, a registered nurse mm. uh, for the early for the early part of my life. And then she transitioned into being a school bus driver for disabled children. Hmm. So it's just it's funny how God <laughs> just works things out. So indeed, my mother, yeah, she she was the one that literally helped me get the job with Montgomery County Public Schools, hmm. and she helped me to just uh, try to be a better father to have an understanding of. This is what you need to go through having a disabled child. We need to go to physical therapy. We need to go make sure that he has all of the braces, the the equipment that he needs to be able to try to uh, succeed in life. So my mom, she was very integral in my part in helping to guide me in my son's earlier years. And and then um, upon your return uh, to to the DMV, what else did you uh, get involved with then? Yeah, Mark, you're asking some really good questions. <laughs> Thank so you. So with that being said, uh, so with that being said, I was working with uh, in Montgomery County Public Schools, trying to find my way. I'm still a creative person. So I, I'm trying to, to say, OK, all right, if I come back here, what am I going to do? I still love the entertainment industry and so on and so forth. And I was provided an opportunity by a longtime friend of mine's now her name is sandy sandy cross uh she was a marketing guru uh back in the 90s as well as now and he needed me as an executive assistant i and marquis i had never been an assistant before didn't even really know what an executive assistant did mm -hmm. and she said i like the way you carry yourself and you're always wearing suits and i've always wore suits since i was younger I just liked that whole look. Yeah. So she she brought me on as an executive assistant, and then her good friend, rest his soul, uh, Steve Solomon, uh, he was uh, doing some road management work for Puffy and the No Way Out tour at that time. So he recognized the way I carried myself and the way I dressed, and he brought me on the road with him to help out here and there with after parties. So with that being said, we were at a stop in Philadelphia. And this is how I transitioned from being on stage to off stage. Um, Puffy was walking with Kim Porter, rest her soul. And it was a whole uh, crowd of people, entourage and paparazzi. And then when they passed us, it was three dudes in a suit and nobody else around them. Hmm. But it was the accountant, it was the entertainment attorney, you had publicists and, and managers, things of that nature. They were still going on the tour bus. They were still going to the after party. They still had all the access. But one thing that they didn't have to deal with was all the paparazzi and everything of that nature. Yeah. 
And it was it was an aha moment for me back then. I said, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to still be in the entertainment industry. I want to wear my suits and do business deals, but I still love the whole thing of the entertainment industry, the concerts, the sound, mm. the feel, all of that as a musician. And I felt that I could be able to get those by being behind the scenes. And then one thing led to another, not to uh, drag the story on, where I was taken on board by Miss Priscilla Clark as her executive assistant to be a publicist. So I literally learned how to write press releases, pitch interviews, and deal with crisis management from the ground up, helping this young lady build her company. Mm -hmm. And that's when I really said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to do public relations because I've always watched uh, news programs. I've always read a lot of thick books. I'm very good with history and politics. And I just felt that dealing with public relations, you still can deal with the entertainment industry, yeah. but you can also do public relations for um, Congress people and politicians and things of that nature and businesses, which I like to do to this day. Yeah. So it was such a great transition for me. All right. So um, so let's let's uh, fast forward uh, to today and um, and your book. Uh, can you tell us uh, uh, tell us a little bit about your book and the process it took in creating it? Well, the book is loosely based on my life to protect the guilty and the innocent. So <laughs> I, I didn't want to put because when I tell you, Marquise, the eighties and nineties, oh, they don't owe Haywood nothing. <laughs> we good. We, we we had a time. So uh, with that being said, I know I have friends who are grandparents now, so I didn't want to embarrass them. Understood. So I just uh, made it loosely based on my life. So I try to tell everyone. Say, oh, so describe your book since it's not fully on your life. It's not a biography. Can you describe it? I tell everyone this. I say, if you can imagine a story like the five heartbeats mm. based back in the crack epidemic of the late 80s and early 90s of Washington, D.C., with the go-go music undertone. Mm. So that's really my story. And I'm the central character uh, in the story, Go-Go Smacky, which was my stage name. Mm -hmm. And Go-Go Smacky is the central character in the book so i've just changed up some names i've changed up some circumstances and this that, and the third but a lot of the stories in the book are still true true and um every time i've told people how i was discovered back in the day because a lot of times people they see me in suits and they don't understand that i've had my life before i was wearing you know suits full-time i was a musician mm. so i tell them how i was discovered and i was always getting well why don't you write a book well why don't you do a movie why don't you do this that and the third and i just kept uh, trying to figure out how do i do this how do i do this so in 2020 a mutual friend introduced me to my co-author marvin bryson who is a great author and he's also worked in production on major television shows like law and order among others so I was talking to him about a movie, but then the more I started telling him stories and things of that nature, he said, no, this would be best to do it in a book because we have a lot of topics to, uh, to cover. So with that being said, the more I started to have meetings with him in, in during the pandemic mm -hmm. we on Zoom and uh, he was asking me questions and I would go home every week and I would have to write out 
different situations on what happened when this uh, went on and so on and so forth. And we started putting the pieces together for my book. And then tragedy struck in 2022 when my mom, she was hosp- uh, she was um, hospitalized and then he uh, passed on mm. uh, not long after that. And then to be honest with you, my case, I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do. Um, I've always been busy, working a lot, serving everyone else. And I was just trying to figure out where do I go from here? And I got to give big props to my wife. And my wife, Monica, really uh, encouraged me to stay focused Mm. and reminded me that, you know, my mom would want me to complete this book. And and when you buy, when anyone purchases the book, you'll see there's a dedication to my my mom um, and my son at the beginning of the book because of what they mean to me. So that was the process on really how to get it from manuscript to finally getting it published and having a lot of hiccups, you Mm. know, and bumping my head on the ground and, and all those types of things, but still just pressing through, pressing through. That's why I named the book turning tragedy into triumph along the way because all the things that have hit me and that I've endured, I've continued to try to press through, press through, not blame anyone, including myself, mm. and just trying to find the 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 uh, silver lining in every situation. I love that. Press, press, press through and not blame anyone. I absolutely love that. So um, the novel addresses the idea of redefining what making it truly means. Uh, So how does Marcus's perspective on success evolve uh, throughout the story? Well, you you have to understand, like um, Marcus, uh, as well as myself, had to uh, think about things where we were like, okay, success means selling a lot of records, going on tour, performing for tens of thousands, if not millions of people, you know, uh, being very wealthy, you know, being very known throughout the world and your community. That was success in there in my eyes. Mm. But then I learned over time that success is really, if Marquise, if you wake up in the morning and you can, excuse my language, if you can scratch your ass, roll over (laughs) and go and go paint a a picture in the corner and all your bills are paid and you're taken care of, you're good to go. That's success to me. Yeah. So seeing my son grow and prosper, seeing my son have a productive life, Mm. that's success to me. And that's what Marcus had to understand too, because, you know, when you had all the women, you've had all this, that, and the third, you've dealt with the drugs, dealt with a little bit of success, you know, you start to really understand what is truly important to you in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um, we also see in, in this book uh, Marcus's evolution uh, f- from a child of a div- uh, of a divorce um, to to a successful musician. Uh, so can you share some insights into how you approach depicting this transformation in your writing? I just took from my own a life because, you know, I was raised with uh, by a single mom with my siblings. And, you know, we had to go through so many ups and downs as a lot of uh, youth that are raised with single parents have to understand, or excuse me, not have to understand, but have to go through and deal with. So with that being said, you know, um, my mom's, watching my mom's uh, struggles and seeing how she persevered and was still um, the, the mother of the neighborhood, 
I called mm. my mother. She was the mom of the neighborhood. So if you came home from prison or if you was a teenage uh, young lady who was pregnant, you know, or kicked out by your uh, mom or something of that nature, you can come and stay at Miss Pearl's house. My mom, she always welcomed everyone in spite of what she was going through in her life. And I wanted to try to bring that resilience to the book. To, to let you know that no matter what's going on in your life, you can still press through. I'm going to use that word again, pressing, 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 so that because if you don't press through and you can kind of get into your own head and get into depression yeah. and things of that nature. So it's important to stay focused and most importantly, stay positive. Yeah, and um, uh, can you share any uh, specific scenes or moments in, in, in the novel uh, that were particularly challenging um, to write? And, and, and then can you tell me uh, what, what were some of the rewarding things that you wrote in the novel? Um, uh, one of the most challenging portions of the book uh, to talk about, even though it wasn't that large, it was talking about um, the attempted suicide that my older brother and I had to experience um, regarding my mom mm. when we were young. And uh, we never talked about that. You know, we as black people, uh, Families, you know, we we um, sweep a lot of things under the rug. Yes, we, we do. We don't want to talk about things. Um, so with that being said, that I had to really dig down and not worry about what everyone else would say. I just had to deal with what my brother and I had to deal with because we were the only siblings that had to deal with that at that time because we we were there when, when the situation happened. So that was a real struggle, but I, I, I fought through that and wanted to make sure I shared the story of even with that being said, that's not the end of my life. My mom's life there. My mom continued to grow. My mom continued to prosper. She she put aside all the bad things that happened from a bad divorce and bad relationship. She put that in the past and still continued to move forward and progress to me. Like now, one of the most rewarding things in regards to the book, I would say Marquise would be sharing my son's um having my son inside of my life story mm. even though it's not a based about my son but i want to shine light on my son's condition of cerebral palsy um I, god bless everyone who has a child with autism and things of that nature um, and down syndrome um, i just wanted to make sure that as a father of a son that has disabilities you know physically you know i can still bring and shine light to his trials and his tribulations uh, just a little bit of when he was an infant uh, when he was going through things and what we had to deal with when he was first born and what his mom and I had to understand about the condition so I was just happy to be able to bring that to light so that my son can get some light and others with cerebral palsy in that condition can be able to get some um, empathy as I should say. Mm. And um, what do you hope your readers will uh, take away from Marcus's journey? Another great question, Marcus. What I hope the readers take away is that not just the lesson of perseverance, but the lesson of positivity mm. and knowing this is this is most important because I say this in the book. This book is dedicated to everyone who works behind the scenes mm. no matter whether it's the entertainment industry or whether it's in politics or whether it's in big business behind the scenes all the administrators and everyone like that moving the paperwork 
all those things, you're very vital to the overall production of anything in life and yes. in this world. So I want readers to understand if you're working behind the scenes and you don't get the accolades that you deserve, please understand that Haywood Donaldson really appreciates you and I see you and I understand what you're going through. Oh man, I, I I love that. So um um uh, be, 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 before I get into my uh, final question, uh where where can um folks purchase the book? Yes, you can be able to purchase it right now at my own website. That is H D three Global. That's H is in Haywood, D is in Dog. The number three Global G L O B A L dot com as well as you can pick it up on Amazon as well. And we will have those links available uh, in our comment section. Uh, so um, ca can you share any future projects or works that you have in the pipeline right now uh, and how they might relate to the, the themes uh, explored in your novel? Um, another good question, Marcus. My next book is something that I'm really excited to, to really get busy on and, and finish up within this next year. It's going to be on Generation X. Hmm. And, and as a representative of Generation X, we don't get talked about enough. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so with that being said, my next book is going to be focused on Generation X. Oh, I love that. Uh, me, me, myself, I'm I'm what they call a uh, exennial. I'm like right in the middle of of the end of Gen X and the beginning <laughs> of the millennial because I definitely had had a pre-internet life um, uh, before <laughs> it, it came uh, a pre-internet life that that I remember that that I, I was a part of. Um, uh, we had the whole street light thing. We had to be in before the uh, uh, street lights came on. You know, um, oh, yes. I oh, knew yes. uh, a life with the rotary phone and everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, a uh, exennial. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so, um, are there any? Uh, and and you kind of already um, answered this already. Uh, but um, but are there any uh, real life musicians or bands uh, that inspired the creation of Heart of Steel or influenced the musical backdrop of the story? Well. A lot of the um, founders of Gogo Music inspired me as a musician. Period. Point blank. Mm. Starting starting with Chuck Brown, hey. and then we can go and then we can go on to Sugar Bear from EU, who mm. I used to be his road manager up until last year. So I was with him for about five years. Sugar Bear from EU, great man. Um, rare essence, without a shadow of a doubt, very inspirational to me. Mm. Um, those guys helped show and uh, help to shape my teenage years back in the 80s. So big shouts to Rare Essence and EU and Chuck Brown and Trouble Punk. And and the uh the crazy thing is, is here is that um I I'm I'm a graduate of Morgan State. Uh and and I had some roommates from from DC and and these are the, these are the names that they were throwing around, you know, uh and and they put me on too go-go music uh so it's it's uh nice to bring this thing uh full circle uh so um uh, i do want to thank you uh, again this was a great interview on uh, haywood i wish we had more time because i feel like we're we're just scratching the surface here 
Um, uh, yeah. but um, but but yeah, I hope to um have you on again sometimes so that we can talk um talk talk more about your work and talk more about your uh, uh background as well and and this upcoming book. Thank you, Marquise, and I really appreciate you and the Melanin Report for even having me. I mean, it means the world for you taking time to have me on your popular platform. And if anyone is looking to continue to follow my journey, you can follow me on Facebook at Haywood Donerson III. And you can catch me on Instagram, Mr. D from D.C. That's Mr. D from D.C. All right. And there you go. And there you have it. That concludes part two of our series this week with our newsmaker, Haywood Donerson. I want to thank Haywood for joining us on the Melanin Report. And in the words of Dr. Dre, you just have to find that thing that's special about you that distinguishes you from all the others. And through true talent, hard work and passion, anything can happen. When the ideas are coming, don't stop until the ideas stop because that train doesn't come along all the time. This is the Melanin Report with Marquise Lupton. Now enjoy these tunes and we'll see you on the other side.
love of your body. 